This is an Emmaus Church podcast. For more information about Emmaus Church, please visit EmmausDenver.com. Um, our scripture reading this morning comes from 1 John chapter 3, verses 2 and 3. We are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. You guys can sit down. I'm going to have to start wearing sunscreen to church. Can't last very long in the sun. Um, I wanted to start this morning by just acknowledging that it has been a very difficult few weeks just for our church family. As a community, we've had really just some hard things to think through. Um, We've had hard disagreements with people that we love, people that we care about. Uh, and even today, as we look around, it's, it's obvious that we're missing some valuable and encouraging members of our family. And, and I, rec- I recognize that that's difficult. Um, it's, been, it's been hard, whether for, for you guys or for the leaders in some capacity. And there's been tears. There's been a lot of prayer. Um, there's been fasting. Um, and honestly, there's just been a lot of us crying out to the Spirit, asking Him to work the miracle of repentance, of restoration, and just pleading with Him to bring about the unity that comes from, from what He does. And at the same time, as we've kind of been dealing with some of the difficulties in our church over the last few weeks, this was, this was while we were dealing with the difficult topic of, of race and justice. And, and we do, we desire and we care. We want to think through that topic and how that, how that topic relates to the gospel. And we're, we're planning on kicking that series back off on the 27th of September. We have uh, an older, very encouraging black pastor from Oklahoma City who's going to come out and encourage us. I'm thankful for him just taking some time out of his his busy schedule to come encourage us and help us think through that. But part of the reason why we decided to do a small two-part series on the vision and mission of Emmaus is really because things have been really difficult for us. And when we suffer as a family, we need to be reminded of the things that don't change. We do need to be reminded of the reason why, why we're here. And honestly, we need to be reminded of the beauty of the gospel because it actually has the power to transform not just the difficult things in our community, but the difficult things that we see in our city. Amen. So when things are difficult, we want to be attracted. We want to be drawn to something that can give us lasting encouragement and comfort. So that's what we're going to try to do as we think about our vision today. We're going to be drawn to the beauty of the gospel. And our vision, it's on your sheet, is to see Denver transformed by the beauty of the gospel. And we're starting with that vision because things are hard and things have been changing. But we're a family because we're united around the belief that a beautiful gospel has the power to transform not just our lives, but the lives of those around us 
and ultimately the city that we live in. And it's that belief that a beautiful gospel can transform us and transform Denver. If that's what we believe, we want to take some time to think about how we understand that. Like, why does beauty transform? How does that work? And what, and what does it even transform us into? Because if our vision is to see Denver transformed by the beauty of the gospel, and as a family, we're going through some difficult things, how does that beauty transform us so that we could see it transform others? So we're going to look at why beauty? What is the transformation? And then we're going to spend a chunk of our time just asking, how does that work? And Ben mentioned it um, I feel like we, uh, we, we only joked about 2020 because it really has just been a difficult year for a lot of different reasons. And it's been a really hard few weeks for us as well. But my prayer this morning is that a beautiful gospel would draw you closer and closer to the comfort that is Jesus. And that the transformation that comes from being attracted to our Savior, that that beautiful gospel would spread and change not just us, but would change those around us and those in our city. So, and then next week in our little series here in part two, we'll look at our mission statement. The mission statement that says, we desire to fill the city with gospel communities who make disciples by making much of Jesus. So if we have a vision to be transformed by the beautiful gospel, then how does that work itself out in our gospel communities. And that's what we'll talk about next week. Next week. So let's pray. Let's ask the spirit, like only the spirit can do, to reveal the beauty of the gospel so that we would be transformed and so we'd be able to see others transformed by that gospel as well. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for just the magnificent and wonderful and just overwhelming ways you can equip your church with your spirit. Uh, Lord, it's, it's you, it's your spirit who we ask this morning to open our eyes to see and behold the glory of Jesus. Lord, I pray that in a way that is beyond our comprehension, we would have a fresh taste of the beauty of our Savior and that that spirit would lead us to be transformed, uh, not just so we could be transformed to be a community, but we'd see that spread to the rest of Denver, Lord. I thank you for the opportunity in this weather um, just to, to be here and worship you, experience you and respond in a way that brings you glory and honor. Give us, give us attention, uh, give us eyes by your spirit to just learn more about your son this morning. In your name I pray, amen. All right, so we're gonna work through four key passages this morning. Uh, you can see it on your sheet, some a little bit faster than others. First, we're gonna start with 2 Corinthians three eighteen, and that's gonna answer the question, Why? Why beauty for transformation? And I said no to clips earlier, but I'm going to say yes to them now. Sorry, Lauren, I took your... She said she don't care. <laughs> so we're, those, we're start with 2 Corinthians 3.18. It's going to answer why, and it's going to answer what. What are we transformed into? And from there, we're going to spend about half the time thinking about how. How does beauty actually change us? more and more into the image of Christ? How does the beauty of Jesus give us more joy, more love, more peace? 
Because it's one thing for that to be a vision statement and say that's the beauty of the gospel that changes us. But how does that actually work? How does a beautiful gospel transform me, transform you, and transform Denver? Because if that's our vision, we need to be able to answer those questions. Why, what, and how? And that's sort of my goal this morning. So let's start with the why and the what by reading 2 Corinthians 3.18. And we, and we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the spirit. So in this passage, Paul is actually comparing our current situation as Christians after the resurrection of our Lord with a famous story from the Old Testament with Moses. Where in that story where Moses received the Ten Commandments and asked to see the very glory of God, there was a point in that story where Moses is actually coming down from the mountain and his face is glowing with the leftover reflective glory of God. And the glory of God is like sort of like an aesthetic external representation of his holiness. So as Moses comes down the mountain with his face beaming with the glory of God, because Israel, like the rest of us, are sinners, that, that aesthetic representation of his holiness is too much for them to handle. They can't actually look at Moses' face, so they cover Moses' face with a veil while that glory fades off of his face. And what Paul is doing is he's comparing the lesser fading glory that still even then had to be veiled with Moses to the greater ultimate glory or the ultimate beauty in the face of Jesus Christ. Paul is saying that the Israelites couldn't even look on Moses who is a reflection of that beauty. But those of us who have the Holy Spirit we can actually see the true glory or the true beauty of Jesus because the spirit actually lifts the veil and uncovers the beauty of our savior for us. And it's that beauty, it's that beauty of Jesus, our Lord, the never fading beauty that transforms us, like the passage says, from one degree of glory to another. So right here, Paul is telling us, do you want to look like Jesus, our Lord? Do you want more love? Do you want more joy? Do you want more peace in your life like Jesus, the perfect son of God? Then you need to behold, you need to gaze, you need to saturate your mind with the beauty and glory of our savior. Paul is saying that beholding the beauty is how real transformation happens in the minds and hearts of believers. So why beauty? That's just how, that's how God transforms us. So what does that beauty actually do? What does that beauty actually transform us into? In the verse, it says, it comes from the Lord, who is the spirit. This comes from the spirit. And that's kind of a clue. What does the Bible say is the fruit or the outcome of the spirit? And you might want to write down just Galatians 5.22, or later you can ask Abraham to sing the song for you. 
Um, but the fruit or the result of the spirit is more love, joy, peace, patience, and it goes on in Galatians 5.22. More love, more joy, and more peace. That's what beholding the beauty of Jesus does. The spirit lifts the veil so you can see his beauty. And it's that beauty that will transform you into the image of Jesus. He's the one with perfect love. He's the one with perfect joy. He's the one with perfect peace. So beholding the beauty of Jesus transforms you more and more into a person that's characterized by love, joy, and peace characterized by looking more like the savior that we worship. And I think that's one of those things that sounds good. Like it's our vision statement. So hopefully, um, but how does that actually work? How does beauty actually give us more love, more joy, or more peace? I, uh, I saw a t-shirt that was modeled after like an Amazon review and it said, uh, 2020, one star, would not recommend. Um, so it's, it's, whether we're talking about this year or previous years, who doesn't want or who doesn't need more love, joy, and peace this year, this week, this month? I mean, everybody is down for that. And this is the tough part, is we can say that the beauty of Jesus or the beauty of the gospel transforms us, gives us more love, gives us more joy, gives us more peace. But when we need those things, when we really want more love, joy, and peace, where do we actually go? Or put another way, when we're, when we're stressed out, when we're, when we're feeling down or depressed, when we, when we could honestly just care less, where do we actually go to fix those things? Where do we really believe we can get more love, more joy, and more peace? And, you know, let's just be honest and think about a few 2020 situations where we could all use a little more love, joy, and peace. You know, it's thinking about the future. I'm like, what is 2021 going to look like? Um, and we don't even, you know, we got a, an election still coming up this year. But for some of us, even more personally, what's your job going to look like next year? What's a relationship you're in going to look like next year? What's your kid going to look like next month? What's Emmaus going to look like? When those thoughts stress you out, do you turn to the beauty of Jesus to find more love, joy, and peace? Or do you find ways to ignore or distract yourself away from those things? What about personal failures? That's really hard. I mean, do you procrastinate? Do you just not care when you know maybe you should? Have you ever just been frustrated at yourself? And maybe you're frustrated at someone that you're close to. When that happens, do you turn to the beauty of Jesus to find more love, joy, and peace? Or do you add more boundaries or more rules or just tell yourself it's going to be better next time? Community is a hard one. Um, now, this is a group I'm super thankful for, and you guys bring me a ton of joy, but, but we're sinners. We disappoint each other. So what do we do when people let us down? What if we're just afraid to get really close to anyone? 
I mean, it really hurts to be misunderstood or taken advantage of or insulted, even if it's not intentional. But what do we do with that? Do we turn to the beauty of Jesus so that we could have more love, joy, and peace for others? Or maybe we just avoid certain people, manage our relationships a little bit better, uh, or in some sense, just try to satisfy ourselves with, with surface level relationships. I mean, these are, these are all real situations where we could honestly use more love, joy, and peace. And if we really believed it was the beauty of the gospel that transformed us when we struggle, when we despair, when we're frustrated, or when we're anxious, then we would turn to the beauty of the gospel for more love, joy, and peace, for real, lasting, eternal transformation. And as helpful as some of the solutions are that we come up with, you know, I think of Denver, there's a lot of things we can turn to to give us more joy or more peace. As, as wonderful as those solutions are, those are always fading solutions. And the real, never fading transformation, the real peace that's eternal, the real love that's eternal, the real joy that's eternal, only comes from the beauty of the gospel. Every other route won't last. So how do we get lasting love, lasting joy, lasting peace? How do we see Jesus as beautiful? How do we better understand the beauty so that we could experience real transformation that gives us love, joy, and peace? And kind of the good news about this is that Christians have been thinking about this for a long time, and there's a lot smarter people that have sort of answered this question for us. So a helpful way to understand the beauty of the gospel is to understand the past, present, and future realities of the good news. Jesus was beautiful. Jesus is beautiful. Jesus will always be beautiful. And for some of the Jen Wilkin fans in the audience, uh, this is related to the three Ps how the gospel deals with the penalty, power, and presence of sin. I know that's some language that gets thrown around uh, some of our smaller groups. But for Emmaus, we're going to talk about the beauty of Jesus, the beauty of his past work, the beauty of his present help, and the beauty of his future state. And if we can really see the beauty of the gospel in these foundational ways, the past, present, and future beauty of Jesus, then by the Spirit of God, we can really start to see lasting, real transformation, lasting, real love, joy, and peace. So let's start by looking at the beauty of his past work. And I think in some sense, this is the one that we're most familiar with. Look at the passage in Romans 3. It's on your sheet, uh, verses 21 through 24. We'll start with just the first couple of verses. It says, but the righteousness of God has been manifest apart from the law, Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. Now, just for some context, Paul spent three chapters before this verse talking about how we're total failures. And it's not a pretty read. But in, but in this verse, he shifts from sort of explaining the problem with the but now at the beginning of our section. He says, but now we have the righteousness that comes from God. 
And righteousness is, is almost like moral beauty. The moral beauty of God, this moral beauty that our Old Testaments have been telling, about, telling us about, that's the law and the prophets, this moral beauty has now been revealed in the person and work of Jesus. The moral beauty of Jesus, the righteousness that nobody has, that beauty has finally been revealed to the world. And he goes on at the end of verse 22 to explain why this moral beauty that's been revealed is so important. After three chapters of telling us we don't have this moral beauty, read what he says at the end of verse 22 in in the next couple of verses. Paul says, for there's no distinction for all have sinned and fall short of that glory of God. And we're justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. He says, everybody has failed, but God has redeemed. God has rescued. God has rescued us from our failure in Jesus. And it's not because we deserved it. It's not because we earned it. It's because it's a gift, a complete gift. So much so that Paul goes on to say that no one could boast. Nobody could take any credit for what God has graciously gifted to us. And that's the, the beauty of Jesus's past work is the moral perfection of God in a person gifted to you. The beauty of Jesus's past work is the moral perfection of God in a person gifted to you. So how, how have you felt about yourself recently? What do you think? Is God happy with you? And if your instinct is to say, yeah, yeah, of course God is happy with me, then maybe you need to look at the moral perfection that is the person and work of Christ say that's the standard that God is happy with. Maybe you need to look at that and have that appropriately humble you. Because that's what's gifted to you. That's not what comes from you. And maybe you're thinking it's been a hard week. I failed. I didn't do something I thought I was going to do. And you're thinking God is not happy with me. God is not smiling upon me. And you If you're in that situation, you do the same thing and look at the moral perfection of Christ and say, yes, God is happy with you. Of course, God is happy with you. God loves you. God embraces you. God is excited about you, not because of how your week went or who you are, but because of everything Jesus is that's been gifted to you. That's why God is happy with you. And this should affect how we view others. Like I said, people are going to fail us. I've failed some of you even in the last few weeks. It's easy to see people and their failures and start to think less of them. But we're called to consider each other as new creations in Christ because I think of you as my family, as those who have been gifted that moral perfection. Those who have been gifted that beautiful past work of Christ. And that's how I should view you. And that's how we should view our brothers and sisters in Christ. So when we're struggling, when people fail us, 
we have to learn to behold, to dwell on, to saturate our minds with the beauty of the past work of Jesus and believe that that's a life gifted to me and gifted to you. And if we could behold that beauty, that would create so much more lasting love, joy, and peace for us. If we can see and believe the beauty of the past work of Jesus, that won't just transform this community, that has the power to transform Denver. What about the beauty of his present help? And we've talked about this a little bit already. It's the fact that the spirit is the one who helps us behold or see the beauty of Jesus that actually leads to our transformation. Look at the Romans 8 passage on your sheet. We'll just look at the first couple of verses starting in 9. He says, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if, you, but if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. Do you see what he says? The very Spirit of God, Jesus Christ himself, dwells in you. And that's a, I mean, that's a huge deal. And we'll talk about why that's important in just a second. But what does that have to do with the beauty of the present help of Jesus? We get a little clue at the end of verse 10 when it says that the Spirit is life. Why? Because of righteousness. The body may be decaying because of sin and death in the world, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. This righteousness is again, is that moral beauty that we all lack. But that's what was revealed from the passage in chapter three is the person of Jesus. The perfect moral beauty of Jesus is why today we have the spirit and that we have the help of the spirit of Christ in us. God in you because of what Jesus has accomplished to help you today. And I was trying to think of like a good analogy for that because it's such, such a huge gap. And I thought, you get to bear with me on this, this is kind of ridiculous. But I thought, what if I had to uh, lead worship next week? I don't think Ben would let me do that, which is appropriate. But I'm like, you know what, if it was just here, I could, I could, uh, I could do uh, some hymns and we could do acapella or something. But if I had to lead worship next week and you said, well, we're meeting at the Pepsi Center and we're sold out. If that's what you asked me to do, I would say, no way. I don't know why I need to be involved in this. But if you were like, okay, hold up, hold up, hold up. I understand, Aaron, you can't do anything with the musical instrument, so we got you some help. I was like, okay, well, what, what help did you get me? Well, JT, Bieber, and Kanye are coming. They're going to help you out. And then we're also going to bring the stage crew from Katy Perry's Super Bowl uh, show. So we have like everything we need for that to happen. You know, if, if I had that kind of help, I'd like, okay, I don't know why I'm involved, but I feel like we could still pull that off. And it's ridiculous, I know, but I was just trying to think, as ridiculous as that is, it, that gap between me and all those talented people doesn't even compare to the power of the creator of the universe inside you. Jesus rose from the dead 
so that God himself would no longer camp out in a tent on the desert, but would dwell in you. God dwells in you so that you would have more love, joy, and peace. That's the beauty of the present help of Jesus. Look how Paul explains the implications of that in the next couple verses, starting in 11. He says that the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will, not might, not could, not is able, will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. And he goes on to, expl- and he goes on to explain in Romans chapter 8, that it's the very powerful spirit that enables us, that helps us to be transformed. It's the spirit that helps us have more love, more joy, and more peace. The Holy Spirit is the beauty of the present help of our current raised from the dead King. Jesus today is using his spirit to help you with the sole purpose of transforming you today so that you would have more love, more joy, and more peace. That's, that's your help. That's the beauty of the present help of our Savior. And community is wonderful. I love you guys. But as sinners, it, it's hard. And we're not always motivated to love those around us. Sometimes we despair of people because they don't seem to change. Or we despair of ourselves because we're struggling with our own sin and how it affects others. I mean, that can be frustrating. That can take away our joy and affect our desire to love one another. And if we feel that way, we need to take a fresh look. We need to behold the beauty of the present help of Jesus in the spirit of God dwelling in you. And if the spirit of God could raise Jesus from the dead, then the spirit of God can transform you, transform me to love others well, to have peace in tough situations, to have joy in Christ when others disappoint us. And if we want to be a community that's shaped by the beauty of the gospel, when we're at our wit's end, when we're disappointed, when we're frustrated at those around us, we have to turn to the beauty of the present help of Jesus and the spirit of God himself. Do you believe that you have the spirit dwelling in you for the sole purpose of giving you more love, more joy, and more peace. Do you really believe that? And if for a second you saw the beauty of the past work of Jesus when we were talking about that and you said, thank you, Lord, that it's not on me, but I rely on what you've done today, this morning, you've already benefited from the beauty of the present help of the Holy Spirit because it's the very Spirit of God dwelling in you from Jesus today that makes any aspect of the gospel beautiful to you. It's the Spirit that lifts the veil so that you could behold the beauty of Jesus. How often do you ask the Spirit to do more of that? How often when you're struggling... Do you turn to the the beauty of the present help of Jesus and say, Lord, I believe that your spirit can bring me love, joy, and peace. I believe that you can give me peace. I believe that you can change my desire to love. 
I believe that you can do that for me. That's where we go. If our instinct was to rely on the spirit of God to give us more love, joy, and peace, and that's where we went for change, what kind of difference would that make? That would be real transformation from the supernatural beauty of the present help of our King. And if you're thinking, hey, some of this sounds pretty good, but I'm not really sure how this is going to work itself out. Like, what if the Spirit doesn't work? What if I don't change? What if other people don't change? What if a maid doesn't work? Does it make you a little uncomfortable when you think about how this is going to practically work itself out going forward. And if you're thinking any of that, if you're not comfortable with what it looks like as we stumble through this world together, you need to behold the beauty of the future state of Jesus. And in my mind, this is one of the most encouraging. This is one of the most beautiful aspects of the gospel. I think of Paul saying, if Jesus wasn't raised from the dead, this would be the worst. Like we have future hope that can bring us joy. Look at what John says in 1 John 3 on your sheet about this beautiful future state of Jesus. He says, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. So are you concerned about the future? A little nervous about 2021? The election? I mean, it's easy to look around in our personal life, especially. Do we have some unease? Why are we uncomfortable with the future? Because what we will be has not yet appeared. Look around. Things are broken. We've been struggling. Maybe a spouse isn't changing or you don't know what you're going to be doing next month or next year. I mean, we really don't have a good idea as we look towards the future. And when we look around, all these beautiful things that I'm saying about Jesus, about transformation, about love, joy, and peace, sometimes it doesn't seem real. And that's what John means when he says, what we will be has not yet appeared. But, but he will appear. And when he appears, you, me, any relationship that's broken, all of God's children will look like him in an instant. And it's that hope, it's that faith in the future state of Jesus, the state that Jesus actually has today on his throne, it's that hope that purifies us. You can look at the beauty of Jesus, the future state of Jesus, and say with confidence, that's where I'm heading tomorrow one way or another. When you see the beauty of the future state of Jesus, that's where you're going. No more transformation from one degree of glory to the next. No more incremental change. No more broken relationships. No more people letting us down. No more loneliness. No more anxiety. Only people surrounding the throne of God and worshiping and enjoying the true, unadulterated, face-to-face, new creation beauty of Jesus.
That's where every day God is working to take you. That's where God is bringing you. That's the reality of Jesus today. And that's the true story of the future state of Jesus that's right now for him. And if that's our hope, that future state, it's that hope that can give us more love, joy, and peace. Or to use John's language that will purify us. What if you believe that? What if you looked at the future of Jesus and said, no matter what happens tomorrow, next month, next year, that's where I'm going. That's my hope. Nothing in the world can separate us from that destination. That's joy inducing. That's love motivating. That's peace giving. That's the beauty of his future state transforming us more and more into his image. And that's a gospel that's beautiful and powerful and can really transform lives like nothing else Denver has to offer. But it has to start here. If we can see the beauty of the past work of Jesus and humble ourselves, encourage ourselves, view others that way, that's going to transform us in a way that other people can't understand. If we can see the beauty of the present help of Jesus, the fact that it's his moral beauty, it's his righteousness is why you today have God dwelling in you. If we believed in that power, if we believe that that's there to give us more love, joy, and peace, and if that's where we went, we'd be transformed in ways that other people couldn't understand. And if in this mess of 2020 we live in today, we could see the beauty of Jesus and his future state and trust that that's where he's bringing us no matter what happens tomorrow. If we believe that when so often things are just crumbling around us, that would transform us in ways that other people just couldn't understand. Our vision, the vision of Emmaus, the vision of this community is to see Denver transformed by the beauty of the gospel. The beauty of his past work, the beauty of his present help, the beauty of his future state. And if you are able to run, to behold, to saturate yourself in that beauty, that's going to change everything. That's going to utterly transform you And God isn't just transforming you by his spirit so that we can huddle up into a community. God is transforming you so that he can use you to transform others. That's why we believe it can transform Denver. So we're going to touch on that a little bit next week on our mission. But for now, thanks be to God for this unspeakable, beautiful, transforming gift the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, um, we get moments, we get glimpses, we, we see dimly, and yet your spirit still impresses us with your beauty. Lord, we pray for him to work, to continue to reveal your son in a way that we just are awestruck by the beauty and glory of Christ. Lord, we look forward to the day 
when we will not see dimly, but we'll see you face to face and be made like you in an instant. Lord, let that be our hope. Use that to purify us. Use that to make us look like your son so that we could be an instrument for transformation in Denver. I thank you for, thank you for this weather. I thank you for all the ways you bless us, Lord. I hope that those blessings would point us ultimately to your son. In your name I pray, amen.